All right. Well, good evening. Is it hard for you to do that? You just you want to say good morning? We can do that. We just yeah. Okay. There we go. That feels a little bit more more natural. Yeah. We uh, we we're excited uh, certainly for our student ministry to be uh, joining us. I've had I've had a great week in student ministry. I got to uh, I got to do glow in the dark. Nope. That wasn't what it's called. Yeah. It was glow in the dark. Nope. Well, it was called dodgeball, but it was not normal dodgeball. We played glow in the dark, disco, see, I clearly don't belong. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And we played this, I just, you got, just church, you just need to know about this. We played, or they, they had this activity game, whatever, called Silent Disco. Have you heard of this? Do you know Silent Disco? Have you seen it? It's absolutely hilarious. So you, everybody has headphones. And yeah, Alicia, I'm gonna share about it. I thought it was fun, okay? All right, you wanna share? Um, and everybody gets, everybody gets headphones and there's four different options for what music you're listening to. And so the headphones light up uh, with a color that correlates with whatever song you're, you're listening to. And it's songs that everybody, clearly except for me in the room, knew. Um, but, uh, but everybody, so everybody's listening to songs and singing and, and dancing and whatever. And so the fun is trying to figure out who's on what song. You can see it. And then everybody eventually, when the song changes uh, and it's one song is better than the other, everybody eventually gets to that spot. But here's what, I'm not about to play. Okay, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, I'm the cautious one in the corner. And our family, it was really funny. We have introverts and extroverts in our family. The introverts were over there with me, like watching, like, I'm not sure about this. And the extroverts with Lindsay are out there dancing and whatever, you know, like hanging out. And, uh, but I'm just telling you, playing that game, if you ever get the opportunity to do that, you need to do the version where you don't wear headphones. (laughs) And you just listen to the awful singing and, and people who think they know the words. Like, are you know, do you have that friend that thinks they know the words and they just kind of murmur through the things that they don't know just to keep going? You know, do you have that friend? Okay, I think I'm that friend. Uh, but uh, man, it was so much fun. But we, yeah, so I'm glad you guys are in here. And I think it's good playing this game. Is it good to have fun together? I think fun is a discipline. It's when sometimes we lose sight of how important fun is. So we just wanted to spend time laughing with you guys. I've had, I've had plenty of laughter this week, uh, but we are gonna do a series of, we're gonna spend four weeks on a series called Talking with God. And probably when you heard this, uh, th- maybe you are here and you are just now finding out what we're talking about. Maybe you, are, maybe you already knew, but there's typically gonna be a few reactions to this topic. One reaction is, and maybe it's some of you in the back, um, although I don't know, I'm, I'm checking you out. I see you in the back. Maybe you're just classic Baptist. I don't know. Um, but you're kind of like, what denomination is this? <laughs> Talking with God, am I, am I sure we're in the right place? You know, that's one, one uh, reaction. The other reaction is, man, that sounds, that sounds great. I wanna know a whole lot about that because I know nothing what in the world does that even mean? What does that look like? I cannot imagine a, a scenario or world where I could describe anything in my relationship with the Lord, anything in my faith as, as talking with God. That may, be, that may be some of you. And then others of you, there's others of you in the room that are just really excited to talk about this topic. This is something that you love, are passionate about, wanna grow in. I don't know where you land. My hope is that in all of those places that what we do over these next four weeks is we, we ground ourselves in scripture. What does the Bible say about 
the availability of relationship with God and what that can look like. And then also, not just that we would grow in our understanding, but also that we would grow in our practice. So that we would say, okay, this is what God's word says, then we're gonna take a step in practicing. We're gonna take a step in, um, in actually experiencing this kind of relationship. So that's the goal. That's what we wanna do. Some of this, you guys know how much I love Dallas Willard. Some of this content is, uh, is from a couple of chapters in uh, his book called Hearing God. Um, if you are wanting to do a deeper, deeper dive into this topic than what we're gonna do over these four weeks, I would highly recommend this book. It's, it's Dallas Willard called Hearing God, Developing a Conversational Relationship with God. And you can borrow mine if you bring it back, but that's a, uh, that's a really good one. And we're gonna, we, we're gonna borrow a couple things. I'm gonna quote him from that book a few times, but just again, as a deep dive for you if you wanna do that. The other thing I want you to be aware of as we go through this is you're gonna need one of these. Hopefully everybody got one. You'll get one each week. Uh, we've got pens up there and, uh, and there's extras if you did not, uh, did not get one. But w- there's gonna be blanks. This is this is very classic of us, isn't it? We're gonna do blanks, okay? So uh, th- hopefully it helps you kind of follow along. If you miss a blank, uh, then bump your neighbor because I don't have the blanks on my notes as well. So hopefully I say all the things that align with the, uh, with the blanks and, and we do okay. I think it'll track pretty well, uh, but fill those in. And then at the end, we're just gonna have a time of, of reflection where I do want for, for us together to process this information, just kind of to take a couple of minutes and we'll do this at the end of each week Think about what we've just said and learned and then, and then write and process a little bit. So if you would rather do that, if you're a big journaler or you've got a, a, a book that you keep notes in for sermon stuff, then you're welcome to do that. But we've got some space on this sheet as well. So here we go. Let me just give you a little bit of my experience. Um, when I was growing up, if you were to talk about talking with God, I think I had a much better grasp of that early on in my Christian life. And I think about um, our students, I think as I think about my journey with Jesus, I was saved at a, at a young age and I think I was really open and no, I don't think anybody ever, I've been really trying to think about this, I don't think anybody ever taught me about talking with God. I think as a kid, my natural inclination was to believe that I could and to believe that God wanted to talk to me. And so I had a very natural, non-guarded response to things in my life, whether thought or feeling or whatever, but internal things or external things that I was gonna, without a ton of question, I was gonna just assume that God was talking to me. I think I experienced most, this maybe tells you a little bit about the kind of kid I was. I think I experienced this most in the area of conviction of sin. where I was very certain that this was God's voice, um, followed quickly by the voice of my parents. Uh, But this was God's voice uh, going, this is not good for you. But I recognized that that God was speaking. It's interesting that as I grew older was when I think the questions and the guard, maybe is what I would describe it as, the guard kind of came up. And I would say my experience of talking with God uh, sort sort of started to dwindle as I got uh, older and um, all the way until college. In college, uh, the end of my time at Texas Tech, um, the, end of my, the end of my time at school, uh, for Lindsay and I both, and we, we had met at this time and we're beginning to date, for, for us both, it was an explosion in terms of our 
theology of the Holy Spirit. This was a gap, I would say this was a gap in my discipleship. No one had ever really talked to me about the Holy Spirit, about what it meant that the Spirit was dwelling in me and about what it looked like if the Spirit of God was dwelling in me. What does it look like to, as Paul says, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit? I don't know that I'd ever really had that education. And so in the, at the end of my time in college was where my theology of the Spirit just exploded. Right after college, I got my first job in ministry and it was in a town called Sundown, a tiny little uh, oil field town in West Texas. And it was, a, it was an incredible place because it was, the, it was a place where my theology and my doctrine of the Holy Spirit was given a place to, I, I don't know a better word to say this, but we were kind of given some freedom to kind of experiment in obedience. Where... It was, a, it was a place where, I mean, you had to get way outside the box to do ministry. Uh, it, was a unique, it was a unique context. It was a small town, lots of different dynamics uh, that I won't go into tonight. But my point is that you just, we had to be way outside the box in order to do ministry, in order to reach kids, in order to talk about Jesus. We had to just be outside the box. And, and the whole church really kind of operated that way. And so I was immediately placed into a ministry environment where Hearing God and responding in obedience was not only uh, encouraged, but practiced kind of alongside me. So it was this really, really helpful environment because my theology had a place then to start to uh, experiment, if that kind of makes any, any sense at all. And I want to tell you that there was a full, that was an incredibly exciting time. It was exciting because I think for the first time since I was a kid, I was discovering that, that God really does want to lead me. God really does want to have a relationship with me. God really does want to talk to me personally. God really does want to, want to um, prompt me to obedience. And there were really exciting moments of, of hearing and responding to God that were invigorating. I mean, like the stuff that you just go home and you just go, I cannot believe that we saw God do that today. I remember one time there was uh, there was a time at, at an incredible institution. It's a West Texas institution that there's. I'm just sorry, there's nowhere here that compares. It's a place called Taco Villa. Anybody ever been to a Taco Villa? Kim Foss knows she's not here tonight. Kim Foss knows. Okay, okay. You, if you know, you know. Okay, uh, combo burritos at, at Taco Villa are just on another planet. Okay. And uh, we, the only thing we, West Texas names are great. We lived in Sundown and to, to go to Walmart or Taco Villa, we had to go to Level Land, right? So good, Level Land. So we would drive to Level Land and that was what we did after church. A lot of people would always go to the Taco Villa and Level Land and we were living very exciting lives at the time. And I remember, so we developed this relationship with a cashier um, at Taco Villa and she was a single mom and began to share a lot of her life with us. It's just we were there uh, every Sunday night after church. And, uh, and I remember one time that, uh, I remember on my drive to work, kind of out of nowhere, I felt God prompt in my heart words of encouragement for her. And I was, it was like, oh, this is exciting. This was when it was exciting to me and I hadn't, I hadn't grown up enough to realize I should you know, be nervous or whatever. I, um, 
And so I remember I, the excitement of going, I remember I, I made a separate lunch appointment because I wanted to go, I knew that she would be there. And, and the excitement of sharing with her, just go, just, I knew her name and her story. And I was able to just say, hey, as I was praying for you, just this is what the Lord put on my heart. And I just wanna share that with you. And she just was so uh, grateful and respond, just a big old hug. And we sat and we talked about her daughter and the struggle. And just, it was just, it was an incredible moment. I mean, it was those kinds of things that were happening. And it was also a time of tremendous failure. I'm talking about like flat on your face kind of failure. I'll never forget the time. This is, this is again, how naive I think I was. And I remember a time of just really feeling like I needed to challenge a, 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 a gentleman in our town and, uh, and challenge him to lead in his home. And I'm full of passion and zeal. And I just felt like God was, you know, prompting me. And so I'm, I go over to this guy's house and sit in his living room. And I'm like, hey, God wants, I mean, I just believe that the Lord wants you to step up, be the man of the house, like lead your family. And it was like, not cool, man. Not a, I mean, just was not received like the Taco Villa. Um, and, and I had to kind of like re recoil a little bit and, and, and kind of process, Lord, was, did, I, did I misunderstand you? Was I impatient? It was this whole process. And so it was full of moments like that. That's my point, full of moments like that. Then we moved to Sweet Springs, Missouri, and I was, I, was, I was fresh in kind of that excitement of going for it with God. We moved to Sweet Springs, Missouri, and we were in an environment where there was an expectation, and I don't think anybody put this on us. I think this was just what we, the pressure. You know how sometimes we do that in, in the context of spiritual environments? We put a pressure on ourselves to live up to a standard. You guys know what I'm, anybody else know what I'm talking about? Um, and I think we kind of were, were doing that a little bit. And there was a lot of people, they were, there was a lot of people talking about doing practical things, things like um, buying a house or going and, uh, and going to this event or that. And I, it, just different things. But it, would always, it, was, it was people that would always use the phrase, God said to, followed by whatever they were doing. And so we kind of had this pressure on ourselves. And I'll never forget kind of feeling that feeling that pressure, and it was, a, it was a, a, a town, a place we knew we probably not weren't gonna be in for very long, but we needed somewhere to live, and there were not many houses for sale. Sweet Springs was about the size of, of Sundown. There were not many houses for sale, and we went looking for a house, and I just remember this battle of wanting to be able to report to this group that God said to buy a certain house, that God said to establish myself. I remember feeling that pressure to have that kind of story, and so I, and you know how we just kind of do this. I, I, I guess I just kind of had that settled in my mind that th th this is the only house for sale. And so God must be saying to buy this house. And uh, all of the wise people in my life were going, nope, nope. All of the people that I would trust for counsel were saying, I don't know. I don't, this doesn't, I'm not sure about this, but the pressure to meet the standard was, if I'm being honest, like it was, it overwhelmed me. And so we bought the house and for a period of time while we were still living in Nacogdoches, we still owned the house. It was a disastrous financial decision. Um, it, was a, it was a bad, bad deal. Um, and I don't think that God said <laughs> to buy that house. I think I needed God to say that for me to feel good about my relationship with him and me being in 
this community, but I think I, I, think I, I just did that for pressure. I don't, that's been my journey. That's been some of my journey. I don't know where you may find yourself. You may find yourself at one of those points on, uh, on that line. Maybe you're somewhere completely different, but that's, that's been my journey. And so what I wanna just kind of start with, and I, th- I think we're gonna start landing on your notes a little bit here, is I think a lot of times we come into this conversation about talking with God with the assumption that God only speaks to special people in special ways. And that assumption leaves many Christians feeling like we are on the outside looking in or feeling like we must produce a certain spiritual or emotional experience for our walk with Jesus to be validated. That was me. I felt like I had to produce a certain spiritual or emotional experience in order for my walk with Jesus to be validated. I love what Willard says on page 18 in his book. He says, there are many sincere Christians on the outside looking in. They don't, and pay attention to this, they are not necessarily lacking the experiences of hearing God, but they do not understand the language or how their experience works. This leaves them feeling confused and deficient and may lead them to play a game that they don't really understand and that rightly makes them very uncomfortable. It undermines their confidence that they are fully acceptable to God. And so I think this topic really, really, really matters. And I think what we need to to try uh, try and do is we need to try and land, and tonight we're gonna go through a lot of scripture. We're gonna do Bible drill, I hope you're ready. Uh, We're gonna do a lot of Bible drill and we're gonna try to land on a foundation that helps us uh, have a framework for what our relationship with God is supposed to look like because scripture is bursting with pictures of what our relationship with God is supposed to look like. We need that foundation because if we only talk about talking with God or hearing God, but we don't put that experience inside the context of relationship with God, then we're gonna end up in the wrong place. So what we've got to do is we've got to say, this is what God designed relationship to look like, and if that's what relationship looks like, then communication with God is gonna follow in the same way. Does that kind of make sense? So I wanna lay the groundwork for relationship tonight. So. We're gonna, we're gonna do, like I said, a lot of Bible drill. So go ahead and get out your Bibles. Let's get ready. You can warm your fingers up. Get ready. And by the way, I tell you this every Sunday. And look, if you ever bring somebody to church and, and you know they don't have a Bible, please don't, please don't embarrass them. You know, it's not a good moment to go like, what, you don't have a Bible? Uh, but you just know this, that if somebody ever is with you that doesn't have a copy of God's word, um, all you've got to do, you don't just bring them to the resource center. Um, we we were happy to to give them that. It's a great little just gift, and and particularly if you're bringing people to church, that's a great way to just hand them a Bible and begin reading scripture with somebody. So please know that that's that's the deal. And if you need one, uh, please please let us know. We're happy to to send you home with a Bible. But what I want to talk about is is uh, a relational communion with God. So the first thing to say is that human beings were created as relational creatures. I've covered this a bunch in different areas, so we're not going to go super in depth here. But we're created as relational creatures, and what that means is that built into the fabric of what it means to be human is the capacity to have a personal relationship 
with God. A personal relationship with God is possible. And, and not just possible, but it's fundamental to what being a human being is. Does it make sense? So it's in our DNA, God built us so that we could have a personal relationship with God. And all relationships include communion and communication. All relationships include communion. So when we're talking about communion, we're talking about presence, being with one another. All relationships include communion and all relationships include communication, do they not? In some form or fashion, they all do. And so God has made us to be able to have personal relationship with him. And what that means is that we're, we don't become God. We don't have to become God in order to have relationship with us or with him. But God created us in such a way that even though we don't become like him, we are able to experience personal relationship with him. So he gave, he gave and built into our, uh, our DNA, as I said before, the ability to have that personal communion. And if he did that, if God built us for personal relationship with him, then doesn't it stand to reason that part of that is presence and communication? If there's gonna be personal relationship, right? So I think communication with God, communion with God is an assumption that we can, obviously we see it play out in scripture all over the place, but it's an assumption that we can build into the reality of how God even created us, okay? So let's look at this in scripture. And here's what we're trying to do. Um, just imagine what we're trying to do tonight is we're trying to paint a picture. And we're gonna use all sorts of different uh, colors and, and, and we're, gonna, we're gonna end up with a, with a picture. So we're not gonna, we're gonna go to eat several different verses, and, but at the end, with all these paintbrushes that we're gonna use, all these colors that we're gonna use, at the end, what I want us to do is step back and then go, okay, based on what we've said, what does a relationship with God look like? That's kind of the goal. So, okay, let's start. Psalm 143, verse 10. And by the way, I picked one song, and I'm doing a survey. There's a lot of different verses that we could talk through. We would not have time to go through them all. And the Psalms are chock full of personal communion and relationship with God. But I grabbed... I grabbed one that I thought was helpful here. Psalm 143, verse 10. It says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So two things to grab there. First, he says, teach me to do your will. So what is, God, what is the, the psalmist is praying for God to be what? A teacher. It's one of our, brush strokes. The prayer is, God, would you teach me? And then he says that let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So what we grab from that is that God teaches us and that the spirit leads us. Now that phrase on level ground, what do you think that's talking about? That's talking about the right way. We might use the word the narrow way, Right? Level ground, we want, we want, so leading us into the way that leads to life. So God teaches, the spirit leads. Okay, now go to the New Testament. John, book of John. We're gonna be in chapter 14. By the way, if you don't have a pen and you need one, they are right up over there. Right over there, all right. 
John 14. Let's look at verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. We will come and make our home with him. What does this tell us? That the Father, Son, and Spirit, what's, he, what's Jesus talking about? He says, those that, those that love me, okay? So, so those that are mine, here's the way this is gonna look. That the Father, Son, and Spirit are gonna come and make our home, make our dwelling place within you. I want you to think about, this is our next brushstroke, I want you to think about the word home. What does the word home fill your mind with? What happens in a home? And what God says here, what Jesus is teaching here, is that he's gonna come and, and he is going to make a home within us. Go over one chapter. John chapter 15. Verse 15. No longer, this is again Jesus speaking, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you, what is that word? Friends. Stop just for a second. For I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus calls us his Friends. Jesus calls us his friends. But what does he say about the thing that's included in that friendship? What's part of it? He says, well, look, you're friends because. There's a reason why. Here's how you know. Because everything that's the Father's, I'm giving to you. We are his friends because he wants to share his business with us. I'm just think about friendship and think about the way in which friendship really develops and the depth of friendship. I think we could say, maybe you could tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I think one of the measures of the depth of friendship is how much of each other's business you share with one another. A deep friendship looks like all of my business is open to you. I enjoy the deepest friendship with my wife and everything that is my business that I'm aware of <laughs> and also the stuff that she makes me aware of <laughs> is open and her business is open to me. That's the deepest, most intimate human connection but it's friendship is measured by how much of our business and Jesus says, you are my friends. I want you to know my business. I don't know how often we think about uh, God in those terms. I think sometimes we think about God as a uh, puzzle, as hiding from us, hoping that you figure it out. But that doesn't seem to be what Jesus is saying here, is it? He doesn't seem to be, I'm hiding behind this mysterious curtain. 
And if you can guess right, then maybe you can know the right answers. He seems to be saying that I wanna be your friend and everything that's the Father's, everything that's mine, I'm, I wanna share with you, right? That's friendship, that's good friendship, right? All right, John chapter 10. I know, you're like, wait a minute, 10 is before 15, did you not do this? I, look, okay, I did this to keep you on your toes. You don't believe me, Whitney? Okay, John 10, verse two, that's all right. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his, what's the word? Voice. A stranger they won't follow, but they will flee from him because why? They don't know the voice of the stranger. So a couple things I want you to see there. First is, he says that he calls the sheep by name. Again, this is another brushstroke. We're painting the picture of relationship with God. He calls his sheep by name. What, is it, what does name mean? If I know your name, what does that indicate? Relationship, familiarity, right? To know the sheep by name, it, it, it indicates an intimate knowledge of that, uh, of whoever it is that you know by name. It's to have a relationship and familiarity. And Jesus explicitly tells us that we will hear and recognize his voice as our shepherd. Again, there's no mystery here. He says that you're gonna hear and recognize my voice. By the way, I'm gonna call you by name. So there's this back and forth there of his familiarity and intimate knowledge of us and our knowledge of him. He calls us by name and we are led out by his voice. Even so much so, and I love this, even so much so, our knowledge of his voice is the thing that allows for us to detect the knowledge of a stranger's voice. Did you see that? Familiarity with Jesus's voice, the familiarity of the voice of the shepherd is the thing that allows for the sheep to go, well, that's not the one I know. Right? So as we test and discern God's voice, one of the tools for doing that is just living in relationship with him, right? Okay. John chapter 14, back to the right. Verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Remember from the Psalms, it says, God, teach us. Jesus says, the helper, what's he gonna do? The Spirit will teach us by reminding us of the things that Jesus has said and taught. So the Spirit is a teacher in us that brings to our mind the things that Jesus has said and Taught. That's his material, the Spirit's material, or the teaching of the teachings of Jesus. But think about 
What does a teacher describe? Teachers, I, I, teachers, you're in the room. When, when a teacher, and maybe I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a teacher. I teach sometimes, but I'm not a teacher. But when teachers hear the word teacher, I don't think that y'all hear a occupation. I think that you hear a type of relationship. When many of us think about our experience of being taught, we don't think about an institution. We think about a person. We think about a relationship. We think about your, the, where, where our place, what did you learn the most in school? I was not very good at math, but I loved math because I had a great math teacher. And why was he a great math teacher? Mr. Yates, Flower Mound High School, shout out. Why was he a great math teacher? It's not because he went to A&M, I promise you. It's because we had a certain kind of relationship, right? And many of you have the same story, right? Teaching is a description of relationship. Okay, Matthew chapter 28. Again, back to the left. Keeping you on your toes. Now, this is a weird place to start this, but I'm doing this on purpose. We always start this verse in 18. Willard calls verse 20 the great omission. It's the one part we always leave out. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. This is the part, this is the great commission. Make disciples of all nations, bringing them into the family, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And look at the last, look at the last line. And behold, I am with you, how often? Always, how long? To the end of the age. So is that ever gonna change? Always into the end of the age means for your lifetime. How about that? Okay, but what is for your lifetime? I will be, what's the word? With you, it's presence. It's relational presence. Y'all see that? Galatians chapter four, we're almost done. You guys are doing great. Galatians chapter four, back to the right. Verse four. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What's that talking about? It's talking about a certain kind of relationship. And because you are sons, now it's talking about because there's a certain kind of relationship what goes inside that relationship. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So part of uh, following Jesus, when we give our lives to Jesus, means that we get adopted into the family, that we have a relational status with God. And because we have a relational status with God, it allows for us to commune with God in a certain way. And what kind of way? What's the phrase that gets used? Come to God as 
Abba, Father, as a child, saying Abba, Father. You're right. And that word Abba is an intimate relational term. It's a term of endearment, a term of familiarity from a child to a father. And so part of belonging to Jesus means that our relationship with God ought to look like that. Ought to look like a child, an intimate relationship between a child and their father. Okay. So the point is, I think this is on your notes. Scripture portrays our relationship with God in intimate, interpersonal, relational terms. So it's terms of friendship and family. Almost every time that you're gonna see, when relationship with God is described, words of family and friendship are gonna be used almost exclusively. And it's not the language of benefactor or legal agreement. You're never gonna see that. Now we have legal status, but when we're describing our relationship, it's always friendship and family. So that's the foundation. And I want you to kind of step back from that. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you just two minutes. Find somewhere on your sheet of paper. And I want you to just, as you step back from the painting, I just read a ton of stuff. <laughs> we, we just described the relationship in a lot of different terms. As you step back from that painting, I want you to just take two minutes. What words and images come to your mind? What do you see there? What kind of relationship has God allowed for us to be in, in and through Jesus? Take two minutes, reflect on that. Write down a couple of notes, a couple of words, and then we'll jump back in and finish up. So the thing that we have to take away there, and this is gonna be essential, we have to have this for the, rest of our, for the rest of our study. We cannot think about speaking to God and God speaking to us. We cannot think about that transaction in abstract ways. Or we're gonna, we're gonna get all twisted and turned around. We're gonna end up in ritual and weird stuff. We cannot think about it in abstract ways. We have to know that talking with God is a part of the normal Christian life, okay? So it's normal, but it's not abstract. Talking with God happens in the context of the type of relationship God has built for us to have with him. So painting the picture of the type of relationship that God has built for us to have with him, the reason we need these verses is because it helps us to learn how to hear. It helps us to learn how, to, how can I come to God? What does that look like? What does it look like for him to lead me? Well, it's gonna look a lot like a teacher or it's gonna look a lot like a parent. And we can, we can understand communication when we put it in the context of relationships. So that's why we needed to do that. And the last thing I wanna say tonight that'll help us jumpstart for next week is that God always speaks in the context of the relationship that he has created for us to have with him. Okay? So that is an always but God doesn't always speak in the same way. God speaks in a variety of forms within the context of that relationship. 
Does that make sense to you, the difference? God speaks in a variety of forms. And one of, I think, the major hangups that we have in our experience of hearing God and, and, and that communication with God is our hangups as it relates to the ways that God speaks. So a couple things that we need to establish is guardrails there. God speaks throughout scripture in a variety of forms to a variety of people. And so we have to begin with the assumption that God wants to have a close relationship with me and that as a good father, he is going to relate to me in ways that are good for me. So God wants to have this kind of relationship with me. And, and believe it or not, I say that really easily. That's a major hurdle. For some of us, that's the battleground. Do, you, do we really believe that God actually wants to have that kind of close friendship with you? He does. So if that's true, if that's the kind of relationship that God has with us, then we need to understand that God, if, if it's that kind of relationship, that God is going to speak to us in ways that are personal and good for us. I'll take the, the image back into our marriage. If there, were, if there were ways of speaking to Lindsay that I knew were not good, would you advise me to use those ways of communication in our relationship? No, only those of you who don't like me very much, I guess. Because some of you didn't say anything. <laughs> Gosh, 12 years and this is what I get. <laughs> of course not. Part of relationship is learning the ways in which somebody best receives communication, right? You guys ever had any kind of relationship before? Come on, right? That's, that's the art. That's the art. That's the art of friendship. That's the art of any relationship. The art of talking to your boss. The art of talking to a child. The art of talking to a wife. The art of talking to a student or the art of talking to somebody that you're coaching, right? The art is figuring out what ways does this person best receive information and then tailoring my communication to the way that they can best understand and be benefited, right? Unless you're just mean. Some of you, okay. Right? Think about this. God has perfect and intimate knowledge of you. He created you. God knows exactly how to speak to you in ways that are good. And so here's the thing. We can't expect for God to communicate with each one of us in the same patterns. If our relationship with him is personal, he will speak to us as individuals and in personal ways. We cannot give greater weight to some forms of communication over others. I've got friends that God speaks to in dreams every other week. And I'm like, God, I sleep every night. And I take naps on Sundays. And I think I've had four or five dreams that I could walk away from and go, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm without a shadow of a doubt. God was speaking to me in that moment. I'm like, God, what? Right? But we can't give greater weight to some forms of communication than 
uh, than to others. And we can't exclude some forms of communication solely on the basis of our own experience. I see this one a ton. Well, God didn't speak to you because it wasn't like this. Or that couldn't have been God <laughs> because he used so-and-so. Right? We can't exclude some forms of communication only on the basis of our own experience. So we need those, we need those guardrails to understand as we start to step into in next week, what are our motivations for hearing God? How do we test and discern his voice? Those are things that are gonna come, but we needed to lay this foundation tonight. We've got about five minutes left and here's what I want you to do. I've got a reflection question for you that I believe is on your notes. Yeah, it's at the, at the bottom on the back side of, your, of that page. I want you to just reflect a little bit. And I do, I'm gonna, I really am gonna give you a little bit longer this time to take some notes, but here it is. Have you ever felt like the outsider in a church when it comes to relationship with God? Maybe you were like me in Sweet Springs. It was like, ah, you know, I felt that pressure. Why do you think you felt that way? Which one of the verses that we covered today spoke to you the most? Why do you think that was helpful? Or maybe you just would say, man, the way that we did all of that really was helpful for me. Just want really, the thing I'm trying to go for here is, what were kind of your main takeaways? I wanna pause and really just kind of dig into that a little bit before we go. Sometimes writing it down really helps solidify uh, for us the things that God is teaching us. So I'm gonna give you about five minutes and then we will be dismissed. But I wanna uh, pray and then dismiss us to the Ranger game. God, thank you so much uh, for tonight. Thank you for just the time to be together. I thank you for fun and laughter and games um, God, I thank you uh, that what we've seen tonight as we've dug into your word uh, is that you want relationship with us, that you are not distant, you are not far off, and that you're not waiting for us to solve some puzzle in order to get to you, but you have fully given yourself to us in and through the person of Jesus, and in relationship with you, you have fully given yourself to us in the indwelling of your spirit to teach us and lead us and guide us to be our friend, to be our teacher, to be our comforter. And so God, we thank you for your presence with us always. And we thank you that we have a relationship with you where we can come to you and cry out to you, Abba, Father. God, would you teach us to listen? Would you teach us uh, to hear, would you help us where we're afraid or, or nervous? Uh, God, we just ask that you would lead us by your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.